Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about the writing craft and crafting a writer's life. And, you know, if we want to make a career out of this, if you want to make a career as a sustainable career as a writer, you've got to think about the business aspects of publishing. That means marketing our talents, our books, our materials, our skills, all of it. Listen, nobody's going to come looking for you. But if they know about you, they're going to pick up the phone when you call. They're going to pick up the book when they see it in the bookstore. And that's what we're going for because I have written several books and I don't want it to be a one-off. The more books I sell, the better received they are from the get-go, the more opportunity I have to write more articles and more books. And that's what I'm in it for. I want to keep writing. We cannot rely on others to shop our books around. So that's on us. And you know what? It should be. We need to stop complaining about it. This is our profession. This is our opportunity. If we're doing work we love, we need to make sure other people can love on it too. So today we are going to get down into the marketing aspects of writing and publishing. And we've got the expert with us, Sandra Beckwith. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Polly. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I've got a lot of I want to learn from you. And and Sandra teaches authors how to market their books. She's got a great award-winning website uh, and blog, Build a Book Buzz, which I go to. I take out the resources. I get the newsletter. And if you do nothing else today, writers, go to that website, sign up, and read the stuff that comes. Because one thing that I love about it and all the work that Sandra is doing is that like it it takes the the challenge like i'm not overwhelmed sandra when i read your stuff it's like oh yeah okay i could do this one thing and those one things as as i know you talk about those single things they can make a difference in in how we sell and and reach our audience i'm so happy to hear that polly because that's exactly the focus of my build book buzz blog you know my goal is to just take one one piece of it um, and break it down and show authors how how to do it. I'm very focused on the how to, you know, kind of like less the theory. I don't pontificate about anything. I don't go on and on and on about, you know, how the world hates Amazon. I just say, <laughs> hey, here's here's how to get a clean link for your Amazon book when you're sending it out to people. You know, it's it's just let's let's get to what you really need to know. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I like that approach. I I don't have time for it. I'm practical. I've decided to be a writer. I've decided to make a profession out of it. So take it warts and all. I need to make it work. And and that's what I love. And Sandra is also the author of three traditionally published books and three self-published books and a background in public relations. In fact, award-winning background in public relations. But Sandra, before we go deep and get into it, we start 
with the dailies. So Sandra Beckwith, what is a regular day like for you? Yeah, great question. And I, I have to say that I have something of a split personality. I, as, as you've just described, I teach authors how to market their books. And I do that through my blog and through training programs and, and sharing programs of others. But I also work as a freelance writer. So I'm always juggling my time between helping authors and getting my client assignments done and written. The, the only way I can do all this and have a life is I, I have a structured day. I work a minimum of nine to five. And I'll tell you, earlier in my career, I worked longer hours than that. But Polly, I ain't young. You know, <laughs> let's just let's just face it. So I, you know, I've made a conscious decision to just, you know, contain my work. So I generally work nine to five. I get up. A lot of people tell me, oh, you know, they just shuffle in in their pajamas with their bed hair. Boy, not me. I pretend like I'm going to a job because if I don't, if I don't like show up as a professional, my brain won't be in professional mode. So and I might not function like a professional. So I get showered, I get dressed, blah, blah, blah. And I'm I got my butt in front of my computer no later than nine o'clock. And then I, I work all day. Um, I take a lunch break. Um, I'll stop at five and go for an hour walk through the lovely little Erie Canal village I live in. Um, and then after dinner, I might come back in and do some email, some e easy email. Like last night, I spent an hour responding to emails after dinner. But that's okay. It, you know, it, it's not as hard for me as crafting the perfect lead for you know a, a case study for a content marketing client or something like that, so I don't mind that. But I'm um, I'm very contained and structured and focused on pretending I go to a real job, even though it's just a little ten by ten office off my family room. Yeah, I appreciate that. I I do go to work with the bedhead. How, however, <laughs> um. Uh, my schedule is serious too. I, I think that if I'm not going to take it seriously, it's hard to convince anyone else I'm worth their time, right? I uh -huh. want to talk to my uh -huh. clients when they're in the office. I want to be professional and prepared when I'm talking with them, when I'm doing the podcast, whatever. And and uh, I think the key is to knowing what your schedule is, what your process is, how it works for you. Yeah. And I spend a lot of time on the phone, you know, interviewing people. And then somebody will say, oh, gosh, you know, a personal, a personal friend will say, gosh, we never talk on the phone. And I'm like, you know what? I spend my days talking on the phone. It's hard for me to continue it into the evening. I do try to make that a priority, but, you know, I'm more likely to text you or email you in the evening after work. I just had that conversation yesterday. Like, I don't have it in me to have a conversation after work a lot mm -hmm. of days mm -hmm. and well, when it's a solid writing day when i'm working on a longer project or something too i'm so in my head i don't have the the energy after that either it, it's a quirky life you've been doing this a long time and and you're a journalist but you were also in pr before which involves a lot of writing and and communication yep. strategies and all of that if you want to make a long-term career out of this, you have to have discipline. Oh, ab absolutely. And to be self-employed, you really right. you really have to have discipline. And I remember a friend, a local friend 
once decided to go freelance because she, she thought I made it look easy. I, I don't know how I managed to do that because, as you know, <laughs> Polly, you know, it's not that easy. I mean, you're, you always got to find clients. You got to hit deadlines. I mean, you know, there's a lot to it. It's not easy. But on the other hand, people like you and I are doing what we love. So in that respect, you know, I I love writing. I mean, this is what I am built to do. So I, I love that I love what I'm doing, but it's not always easy. But anyway, she went out on her own to make, because she thought I made it look easy. Um, and then she was stunned to find out that it wasn't. It was a really big struggle for her. So, you know, I'm sorry, but the, but the reality is you need discipline. You, the, the laundry can't be calling your name. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, you need to get, keep your butt in your seat to get things done and earn enough to pay the bills. Earn enough to pay the bills. I, I laugh because every time the Olympics comes up or, you know, the world challenges and, and the ice skaters are jumping like four feet in the air and twisting around three times. I'm always like, I mean, how can that be that hard? These, these people are like five feet tall <laughs> and they're like six feet in the air and land. And because they have practiced and done the work for years and years and years and getting up at five in the morning and, and then going after school until they have mastered it to a certain degree. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? You're, you're, you create a ton of material, you high quality stuff, people wanting to work with you. And yeah, well, there's a reason that that works. There's a reason you've been doing this for years and years, you know, you keep showing up. I've been self-employed since 1985. I've been self-employed since since before people knew the word self-employed practically, you know. Um, I was self-employed working from home when you hid the fact that you worked from home because <laughs> it was interpreted as between jobs. And I wasn't, I was self-employed by choice. I'd done the whole corporate thing. I'd done the whole agency thing. I just wanted to work for myself. You just hit a really good point, Polly, and that's about quality. Um, you don't make a living at this unless we have high standards for ourselves and what we produce. And that's what keeps, you know, that's why I've had one writing client for close to 20 years. Um, I don't miss deadlines. And what I turn in is good enough that they don't do any, if uh, much, if any editing to it. You've got to have those standards for yourself so that your clients like what you do and come back to you for more. All right, Sandra, I need to know everything you know in the next 20 minutes. Yep. Are you up for it? I am totally. <laughs> how can writers, how can me, <laughs> how can I become more comfortable with the marketing component? Because I've written four books now and I've had great publishers who have really supported me. And yet I have done a load of marketing and even then, I don't know what's working. I don't know what's effective. And I get nervous. I get anxious about it. It seems the antithesis of what I like about my job is to, you know, sit and, and research and talk to people and get ideas. And marketing requires some other skills. Do you have any ideas about how we can become more comfortable with this notion that this is a part of our job and, and this is something we can become easier with as we go into it? Boy, I love this. And I'm going to break this into two pieces, one for freelance writing and one for book marketing. 
One thing I would say to the article writers or case study writers or playbook writers, white paper writers, you know, listening to us today. Um, one thing I would say that a lot of writers don't do is I would say share links to your work on social media. I'm in a freelance writers group on Facebook, a very large group of content writers. And a lot of times I see posts like, um, oh, I just got an email from my client and they asked me to share the link to the article I wrote on Twitter. And, you know, I'm not getting paid to share the links on social media. And how much do you think I should ask them to pay me to share this link on Twitter, which will take me all of three seconds at the most? You know, I don't even weigh in on those discussions because I do this automatically for two reasons. One is it's a showcase for my work. Other clients might see the articles I write, the topics I write about, and they might add me to their list of potential writers to hire. There's that. But the other piece that I think is even more important is it drives traffic to the content I create for my clients. And if they see that what I create brings them, say, more traffic than what another writer creates, I am more likely to stay on their list of writers than somebody who isn't getting that traffic. So, um, and I'll add the third thing. My clients like that I share their content. You know, that that's just a, a client relations thing, too. So, you know, kind of get it when it comes to your freelance writing, just sort of have a generous approach to um, to your clients and don't don't nickel and dime them. Um, so that's a that's one way to be marketing your work is to be sharing it because it's a win win win. I think oh, of yeah. it as customer service too, right? Yes, yes. It, not only it, it's not just about you. It's like you and I had talked before the show that if somebody is going to take their time on this show or anything I'm doing to be a source in the article to do whatever, I I think it's a customer service. I want to honor their time and attention by linking, giving them a link or showing off the client and my own work. I mean, it, it helps all of us. I love that you mentioned that because I do the same thing. I send a, the link to the article to the people I interview, to my sources. And I say, here it is. Feel free to share it with your social networks, which again, increases the traffic to it. But beyond that, it's a nice thank you. It's a courtesy. These people took time out of their schedules to talk to me about something they know more about than I do, the least I can do is share the link. But Polly, you've probably seen this in, in Facebook groups and elsewhere too, where writers are saying, oh my God, you know, my source is asking me if the article is run and if it has, they want a link. Um, I don't know if the article's run. I'm not going to bother to share the link with them. I never share links with them. Well, again, you know, it, it's... um. It's, I don't think that's a healthy mindset for your career. I'm not asking you to jump through hoops, do anything unreasonable, but try to monitor when your stuff runs and, and be generous about sharing it. Now, when it comes to authors, the I think the biggest issue for authors when it comes to marketing mindset is they feel like they're being um, too self-promotional. You know, I don't want to talk about myself. I feel like I'm bragging. This makes me uncomfortable. 
all legitimate feelings. Told, I, boy, do I understand it. Um, it was an obstacle I had to get over as well, you know, for promoting my own books. Um, but here's here's what I would like authors who are uncomfortable for that reason. They feel like they're bragging, whatever it is, tooting their own horn, I hear a lot. Um, I like to have them reframe the mindset. So you're not bragging about yourself and you're not promoting yourself unless you're the kind of person that you and Polly, you and I wouldn't hang around with, <laughs> you know, you're not talking about yourself. You are promoting your book and the book is the product, not you. Now, other people will tell you, oh, you're the product, you're the brand, it's all about you. That's not going to get you over that hump because you don't feel like it's all about you. So it the book is the product. So reframe it that way you're not talking about you you're talking about your book but the key piece of this is you wrote your book for a reason you if it's fiction you wrote it to entertain people if it's fiction if it's non-fiction like you and I write you write it to educate to inform to maybe um, provoke a new way of thinking maybe to show people how to do something, whatever it is. But you, no matter what your book is about, you wrote it for a reason. You are not going to fulfill that goal if nobody knows about your book. So you are doing them a public service by telling them about your book. It truly is a public service. When you let the people you wrote the book for know that the book exists and how it will entertain, educate, or inform them. So just sort of flip it. The book is the product, not you. You can't help people or entertain people with your book unless you tell them about it. They need to know about it before your book can have an impact on their lives. I was in the grocery store and they were doing one of the testing, one of the sampling of wine, which, you know, you're not going to turn me away from that sample. So I think mm -hmm. I cruised by several times there, but, but the guy was all down into his wine. He was telling me how it was produced. He was telling me about the grapes. He was telling me about the family who runs the vineyard and the wine was good. But the only reason I stopped is because he was so behind and excited about the, well, it's probably not the only reason, but he was so excited about the wine that I stopped and listened to the whole dang story and did buy a bottle. And I thought after that, and I didn't relate the two until you related the two for me. I thought after that, like, I love a guy who's backing up his product, right? He believes in what he's doing. I want to support that. Basically, you're saying the same thing. If I'm writing a book that I think is important enough to write, my publisher thinks it's important enough to publish because it might help people. I have a responsibility to let people know about it. Exactly. And you're passionate about that book because that's why you wrote it. And I'll tell you, I've done the same thing with a goat cheese sampling in the supermarket. <laughs> Totally sucked in because the guy who was doing the, the sampling was, you know, is one of the the creameries owners. Um, the whole story, that stuff tasted great. Not only did I buy it, I posted about it on Facebook for my local friends. Hey, guys, Wegman, attention Wegman shoppers. Wegmans is my supermarket chain, you know, attention Wegman shoppers. This goat cheese is great. And then I shared a little bit of the story behind it that the owner gave me in the sampling. 
Same thing, Polly. Authors, we got to think about this. Like this is this is a business. It's not just a craft. It's it's not just a calling. It's it's a business, and we need to let ourselves off the hook and promote our product. I love that, Sandra. Okay, a couple of specifics before we go into a short break. I want to know: Did you learn this stuff from your PR background? Where have you evolved this with your own books and stuff during the? You just learned as you went. How did it come for you? It, it's both plus. So um, my my background as a publicist gave me um, a very good grounding for this. It was sort of the starting point, the foundation for. It. And when I started doing this, um, social media didn't exist. So it was pretty much just book publicity. And then you know what happened with social media. Um, and again, as I said before, I'm I'm not young, which explains why, you know, my first <laughs> book came out in 1995, pre-social media. Um, but my publicist career started well before then. So um started with a with that sort of publicist background. And then as social media came into the picture, I spent a lot of time both doing and learning doing things for my own books and my own business and and kind of experimenting and finding out what worked and what didn't work. But the other piece that I layered in, and I still do um, constantly, is I invest in professional development. I take courses that teach me how to do whatever it is I need to learn at the moment. And it might be what I need to learn to share with authors it might be what I need to learn to help my business grow, because as you've pointed out, we own businesses. I just um, just on Friday bought an online course that I can't wait to jump into that's going to help me learn how to do a specific thing that I feel like I need to, to know how to do. So, you know, I started out with background, um, a, a lot of doing it myself. Um, and then constant uh, putting time, a lot of time into constantly learning. And as for that piece about, you know, figuring out what works for my books and what will work for other people's books, um, you've got to monitor results. That's a real key piece. And that's how to go back to your comment about am I doing the right thing? Um, the, the What you want to do is, you know, try something, but only one thing at a time and then track results. Um, when you, you'll see a pattern over time, you'll see what works because you're monitoring results and you'll see what doesn't work because you're monitoring results. And then you want to do, just do more of what does work and less of what doesn't. And that will help give you focus. Is there any one thing that you think all authors, all freelancers need to do? Zeroing in on authors, it's get, get reader reviews. If I, uh, it's, it's really two things. One is knowing your target audience, investing the time to figure out who will love your book, because you really need to be very clear on that. And, you know, there, there are a number of ways to do that. And I actually have a training program, um, you know, called who will buy your book, how to figure out and find your, your target audience. Um, so you need to know who will, who will love your book. And then you need to, so that, and then you need to get in front of those people and pursue reader reviews and that's generally done Polly with giveaways hmm. so people go oh I don't want to give my book away if we're talking digital copies I'm not talking printed copies oh, I don't want to give my book away those people might buy it you know that's a that's short-term thinking 
you need you need reader reviews up on your Amazon sales page to sell books. You just do. Nobody wants to be the first person to buy your book. If they see there are no reviews, they're going to think nobody likes it, especially if the book has been out for quite a while. So for authors, um, I would say it needs to be reader reviews. And then from a, a freelance writer standpoint, um, share share what you're doing in the right forums. Pick your social media network appropriately for sharing what you do. I write a lot about supply chain and logistics. So my audience for that is linked is LinkedIn. I don't share those article links on Facebook because that's a whole different audience for me. So figure out where your your writer client audience is and share links to content there and links to your portfolio and that sort of thing. Yeah, I th I think that's really important from a article perspective or content writer. If you're working with a client or in a specific industry business business or whatever it is you're writing you need to have that target audience in mind before you pitch a client or before you start writing your article or case study for them because you need to make sure you're hitting their client the people they want to read the piece and when it comes to books you know sign up for sandra's target market class before you write your nonfiction proposal because you have to be able to identify for yourself in the proposal for the publisher, for agents, who's going to read this book? Who are you writing it for? It will change your, your language. It'll change your tone in the piece. It'll change the information you put in. Um, when I was writing my first book, uh, I was really having a hard time getting into it. And it had taken a couple of years to sell, so I knew it very well the proposal, but I was having a hard time. And I, I look back at it and it, it's because I was writing it like some academic professor and I'm not, and academic professors were not going to read that book. So I knew my target market who were moms like I was, um, I knew how I wanted to reach them. And I, I went back and that simple piece of information helped me relax, open it up and talk to my market in a way that made the writing so much better, so much easier, and the book has consistently sold well. So I think knowing that target market is huge when it comes to promoting your work, don't you? Absolutely. And you want your target market in mind when you write the book, just, just like you said. Uh, I will tell you, self-published authors tend to skip that step, though. Mm -hmm. They've got a book in them that they've got to write, and they don't think about who they're writing it for until later. I want to add on to one thing you just said about you, you know, know your target audience as you're writing your nonfiction book proposal. I'm going to say a lot of our listeners will be authors exploring self-publishing because as, as you know, Polly, it's harder and harder and harder to get a traditional publishing contract these days. The industry has changed so much. So for even professional full-time writers, they, they need to go the self-published route because they have no option. I always recommend that you even write a book proposal when you're self-publishing because it will give you exactly what you just said, the clarity and focus you need for your book. It walks you through and you I'm sure you can have a whole nother, you know, podcast session on episode on nonfiction book proposals. But, you know, it helps you set the landscape down on paper, define your target audience. 
um, talk about why there's a market for your book. And a lot of times people don't think about that ahead of times. And maybe if you're writing that nonfiction book proposal, you will discover early that maybe there really isn't a market for that book. So, you know, so maybe you shift and come up with a different idea. But in any case, it will give you the focus and the structure you need to write a book that people are going to want to read, buy and read. So so it's not just for publishers. It's also for self-published authors. I love that idea. I don't care how you're getting your work out there. If you're working with a traditional publisher or self-publishing in your career, like Sandra, you might do both. There's lots of reasons I'm considering self-publishing and I want to try it. I want to learn about that as well. I think that's smart in this business, but Again, there's the business part, right? Take it seriously. Don't just put it out there. A lot of people are doing that and they're not selling, no matter what you hear. Write the quality, have the discipline, do the job. And we're going to take, on that note, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to know an answer to this question, Sandra. Do I need a newsletter? All right. We're going to come right back right here on Simply Write with Polly and Sandra Beckwith, part of the Creators Network of Electricast. And we are back. Hello, I'm Polly. You're listening to Simply Write with Polly, the podcast where we talk about crafting the writing and a writing career. And uh, if you want to go deeper into this, you can connect with our community at simplywrite.substack.com. Find me at my website, polycampbell.com. Today we have writer, author, marketing expert, Sandra Beckwith here to talk about how we can get our materials out there, how we can do a better job marketing our stuff. Because whether you're self-publishing or working with a publisher, it's, it's our responsibility to do that. And Sandra, right before we went to break, I was asking you, I hear all this about social media. Do I still need a newsletter? Is that still an important part of book and writing marketing? Well, am I glad you asked that question because the answer is absolutely. And here, here's why. Let's take Twitter. And I'm still going to call it Twitter. <laughs> Me too. I don't care what letter <laughs> is assigned to it. I'm still going to call it Twitter. Let's take Twitter as an example. There's a lot of disruption and chaos on that social network. Um, what if it disappears tomorrow? And, you know, maybe not tomorrow, maybe a year from now. Um, and if all your eggs are in the Twitter basket, you've lost everything because you don't own your network on Twitter. Twitter does. This applies to any social network thing. But it is also one of the best ways to communicate directly with your readers and your fans. Um, I, I, I have a, a, a large list of authors who I email to every week, um, a link to my blog post, which is always a how-to article. But my, Polly, I've made friends with my subscribers. There's a lot of give and take. I mean, I get a lot of email messages back. Um, these are friends that I've gone on to meet in real life because we've made it a point to meet, meet in real life because we developed a friendship because they are on my email list. I have a lot of conversation going back and forth with a good percentage of my subscribers. That is personally and professionally rewarding. But the other benefit of this, Polly, is that it helps improve what I write 
for my audience because it gives me direct access to them and I can ask about what are they struggling with? What's the most difficult for them? Um, what have they learned about the process that might help others? Um, what do they need to learn? You know, what's out there that they that they want to learn about and should they learn about it? I get to learn more about what they, how I can help them. And for me, that's, that's really priceless. I really want people to um, focus on understanding their target audience and what kind of content appeals to their target audience. There's that. I want people to understand what they're most comfortable with. Um, you and I are writers, Polly, which is why I blog instead of doing maybe something else. Um, because it's it's what I love to do and it's what comes easily to me. But I also have an audience that reads what I write, so that works. Um, you what you want to do is find the intersection between where you will find your readers and what you are most comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just for the life of you can cannot figure out TikTok, um, then maybe you shouldn't be using TikTok. But <laughs> but beyond that. Maybe your audience isn't on TikTok either. So that audience skews younger. You know, if your audience is baby boomers, then yeah, don't even think about TikTok um, because they're not using it. But you want to find the intersection between the two. And then the other thing is um, there's always the latest and the greatest out there. Don't jump on the latest and the greatest simply because it's the latest and the greatest. Um, if it is super new, then chances are your audience isn't there yet. The people who are using something super new, and I'll say with the exception of threads, because all you had to do was connect your Instagram account to threads and you're done. Um, so that's a little bit different. Um, but there were so many new things that came and went. Um, and if you put, if you, people who are jumping on them quickly are those people who jump on everything quickly, you know, that's just who they are. That might not be your audience. So let the newest and latest sort of develop before you decide if your readers are there. Before we go on to my favorite segment of the whole show, how can we find you? How can we work with you? How can we get your trainings and get in touch? Thank you for asking. Um, my, my goal is always to get people to sign up for my newsletter because that's how I deliver free how-to content every week. Um, to do that, go to buildbookbuzz.com slash gift. All you do there is, is give me your name and email address, and that's buildbookbuzz.com slash gift. And if you have questions for me after listening to this and just want to reach out to me directly, my email address is sb, that's sb as in Sandra Beckwith, sb at buildbookbuzz.com. And I am happy to help. Go sign up. I am not kidding. I get this in my inbox. Go do it. It's worth your time. And this is part of our continuing education. It's time for what's in the dust. Sandra, what tool do you have to have around you when you write? Is there any special pen or earphones or paper you go to? Well, when I write, I'm all keyboard. 
So, um, well, actually, you know what? I should backtrack. I recycle paper and, uh, and I also edit on paper because otherwise um, that's the only way I see everything I do wrong. I can't edit as well. Me too. On so I've got a printer. I edit on paper. I then recycle the, the backside of that paper. I'll, I'll run it through the printer again and then um, print on the backside of it. But I'll, when, but even then, sometimes I'll have half a sheet that's white. So I, I take all that recycled paper. And for those that have half a sheet that's white, cut it in half. And I create my own little notepad of these little things. They're sitting on my desk because um, I like to recycle. And I, I'll do a quick outline for my article. It might be key points or flow. You know, it depends on a few different things. So I'll start with that. And I do that, Polly. I use a Pilot G2 pen with an 07 point. Mm. Pilot G2 07 point. I get these at my supermarket, but you can also buy them online. So there's those little half sheets, um, my pen. And then, then when I start to write, you know, I got <clears throat> I got my keyboard that you that I pound on like a maniac. But I have to have when I am writing and like really writing as opposed to responding to email or something, I need a cup of hot tea next to me. So I've got a little hot plate. It sits next to me right now. I've got a glass of water on it. Turn on my hot plate, put a cup of hot tea there and sip my tea. If I need to write in the evening and have to cut myself off a of caffeine, I still need that hot beverage. So I do decaf tea. But it is it is just part of my process. When I am immersed in writing, I got to have that hot cup of tea there. All right, Sandra Beckwith, I kept you long, but this has been so enlightening and so helpful. Thank you for spending time with us here on the Simply Write. Thank you, Polly. For more, hit my newsletter, simplywrite.subtech.com. I will have links to Sandra's site and work. Sign up for her newsletter. That's buildbookbuzz.com forward slash gift. Go get it. It's worth your time. And this week, as you go through your work, remember this quote from Tim Ferriss. Think big and don't listen to people who tell you it can't be done. Life is too short to think small. And then sit down, writers, and simply write. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.